Well, this is unbelievably weirdly exciting. Welcome back to the Articulate Film Podcast. Um, I'm here this week. Charlotte's here this week. Ben's here this week. Have we all watched the the film? Well, we thought so. <laughs> Charlotte, what did you do? I, well, okay, so if any of our viewers, or listeners even, are dyslexic, they'll understand here. Charlotte, no, I don't think you can find a dyslexic card because I'm also dyslexic. Charlotte, no, all like, three of us on the, who host this podcast are dyslexic. <laughs> Let's... No, but not, not everyone's dyslexia is the same. And because it had an M in it and an I in it, I thought we were meant to be watching music, which isn't an alien fault because it has been involved in the Oscars. So it's not crazy for me to think that. But I just, I honestly, I just, it was just, I was so annoyed. I went to write my notes before this started and I read the top line and went, oh my God, I've watched the wrong movie and I don't have time to watch the right one. Charlotte, and honest. on top of that, you were also quite late as well, Charlotte. I was literally nine minutes late. That's literally not even bad. Charlotte, I mean, don't. To be honest though, it's not, it's not convenient, Charlotte. <laughs> no, but I couldn't help it. My laptop, also, if anyone wants to make like, you know, go fund me or something so I can get a new laptop, that would also be great because this one's very problematic. Well, Charlotte, on today's I'll Take You From Podcast, <laughs> is going to be briefly reviewing music. Ben and I are going to be reviewing the actual film Minari. that we think could potentially win Best Picture at the Oscars. We are on about Minari. The one that could win that we'll watch, we? Yeah, I mean, the one that's nominated, so genuinely has a chance. Yeah, to be to be fair, though, Charlotte, I'm not here to, like, have a go at you because I feel you've suffered enough because I've watched music. I had to watch music. It is a truly, truly terrible film. It was awful. It was so bad. And Minari is a truly great film. So you've really suffered here. I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad you all loved it. As I wasn't here last week, I have got someone on the world of Google to make a little present for us. Ben's heard it. Charlotte, you've not heard it. No, I thought you were sending me. I saw you text me, but I thought you were sending me like... Um, that you'd cheated in your business essay and you wanted me to see what you paid someone to write so you could cheat your business essay. I mean, I'm not saying I haven't done that. (laughs) I thought you wanted me to proofread it because I'm studying business to be like, do you think this is believable? I wrote it and that it's to a high enough standard. That does sound like something I would do. So I was like, (laughs) later. Anyway. This is, I just thought... It's a potential intro. Yeah, I just I'll put it out there before I play the intro. This is my favourite ever opening we've done to the show yet. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But we've even got an intro now. Nine months in, finally got a potential intro. And Charlotte, I can't wait to see your reaction to this. I'm excited. Hit it. Hello and welcome to this week's Articufilm podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Ben Heath, Jacob Dyer and Charlotte Martin. Join in the conversation at Articufilm on Twitter or hit up the website Articufilm. Without further ado, let's jump into this week's podcast. Thoughts? <laughs> it cost me £4.50 to get someone to do that. I mean, get it, I guess. That is truly some of the worst £4.50 ever spent. <laughs> you got scammed so hard. <laughs> is it that bad? It is awful. I thought there'd be at least some music or something, so we'd have like a little like music that's associated with our podcast, not some American guy just being like, welcome to your host. <laughs> Who even knows if he was American? He could just have been putting it on. Like, Here's the thing, though. Right? 
when I when I first heard it, because Jacob sent it to me about an hour ago, I thought, you oh, that's Jacob me. putting on a funny voice. <laughs> and, no. then, and then I literally said to Jacob before we recorded, oh, well, maybe it's because I know your voice so well. I just thought it's you putting on a silly voice. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jacob, I was really expecting, like, some kind of music or some so kind of, like, yes or no. Uh, um... <laughs> Well, I'm going to say no, personally. Okay. Ben's got the final vote. Ben's got the final vote. I'm saying yes, so Ben, you are the decider. Fuck no. Right, that's £4.50 I will never see again. (laughs) You got ripped off. (laughs) The thing is, I actually thought it was pretty good. Jacob, I could literally make you myself something better than that. I'm not gonna do it, but I could. You'll make your that can be your challenge, you know. You, uh, you try and make one. Jacob, uh, you can do my degree and tell me where I find time to make a whole introduction. But anyway, talking about music or lack of there, okay. I think the only appropriate place to start with this podcast is Charlotte. Um, I've seen music. You've seen music. It's been nominated heavily at the Razzies. It's genuinely one of the worst films of all time, right? I think it's so offensive. Yeah, like... So offensive. See it. Oh, I... This is the film that got nominated at the Golden Globes for Best Musical or Comedy because Sia held a private concert for the voters. Oh, how it is nominated? <laughs> like... I, 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 I thought it was actually... I don't know how they saw that in final production and went, yeah... That is great. It is so, it's so offensive. Like, sorry, they they just, they have made autism look like just crazy. Yeah, um, I think that like, it's not just it's offensive, so what? Because loads of like, it's like Hillbilly Elegy as well, which we're talking at the close of the show, because that could be Glenn Close's first Oscar after eight attempts and is genuinely the worst film nominated at the Oscars this year. But um, it's also just a really badly made film. I like, mean, if it's offensive to autism, that doesn't sit well with me. I, I don't like the sound of it at all. I think it makes them look really weird. And I know people who are autistic and like, yeah, one who was autistic. And like, th- that's not what it's like. Like, I just, I don't know where they got like, because we all do performing arts here, and obviously we have to do research on our characters before we play... Well, we all did and do. Um, have to do research on our characters before we play them. I don't know where they got this research from, but it is a badly made movie. Probably some really, really ridiculously out-of-date No, no. Do you know where they got the research from? Because I was reading about it. They got research from the only charity that wants to cure autism. Oh, God. I just, like... That's really fucked me up. That. That's the charity they lit, and I think this film has done a world of damage to Sia as a musician, as a director. Oh. I just think it's so. I think it's. I. I really do think it's an offensive piece of drama. Like it's not well made in terms of a cinematography point of view, in my opinion, compared to other movies I've seen. Um, I think the the acting in it. I mean. Maddie Ziegler, I am so sorry, but what the frick are you doing? Um, I, I, I just, I cannot believe that this was even allowed to be watched because if I had <laughs> autism, I would be offended. Yeah, I. I think they've just not even told 
even a fraction of the story of what it's like to have it in my opinion not that i have it but it just made them look like you know like how you see like the very dated stereotypical like jacob said like back in ages ago they've made it look like that and it's like no that's not what it's like for everyone. i am i'm so glad i didn't watch this because i've got a, a great friend of mine who is on the spectrum and I, I'm so glad I didn't fucking watch it. I think I'd have been absolutely fuming. Like, I'm already pretty riled up now. Yeah, yeah no. I, I think it's a really offensive piece of cinematography it's, or film it, and stuff. I, I mean, I just think it's badly done. They haven't put in anywhere near as much effort from an actor's perspective. Where was the research? Where was the research on what it's like to have autism? Because that looks like the most basic understanding. There was no depth. There was no... Oh, I just, I really hated it. I was coming onto this podcast ready to be like, what the heck did I just watch? <laughs> yeah. We've given to... you that opportunity, Charlotte. It wasn't planned, but we've given you the opportunity. To yeah. be fair, it, it's not, I'm not going to go for all in on Maddie Ziegler here because she should never have been given that part. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think all the blame for this film has to go at Sia's door. All oh, of right. it. I think Ziegler, she's not an actress. She's a dancer. Who's well, she did, biggest... She did the Book of Henry, and that was okay. The Book of Henry was also not a good film. It killed Colin. Yeah, but her <laughs> acting in it, I wasn't like, oh, God, she really can't act. Yeah, but she, she's not a great actress. Like, she's not even... Look, the only film she's been in is a dreadful film... Which made yeah. her look slightly less terrible because everything yeah, around right. her was awful, so there was no way you could fairly judge her. Um, she's only got this role because she's friends with Sia. It's like ne- nepotism. Um, yeah. So look, let's let's not talk about this because no, we we're... don't want the po- podcast to be very negative either. Because <laughs> you know the actual film that me and Ben actually watched, and Charlotte, you know, misread it as music. Minari, I loved it. Yeah, it's it's my favorite film of the Oscar race. So um, let's. You enjoyed it, Ben, right? Yeah, uh, I loved I loved Minari. It's it's a story about this Korean family who immigrate to a rural Texas state in America. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. I think it's Louisiana. Um, and they try to start a farm. Uh, the father does, because that's what he's always dreamed of. He's wanted to own a farm and earn money for his family. And they end up living in this static home type caravan thing. And the mum's mum comes to go and live with them uh, in Korea because she's lonely and older and ill. And it's the story of how the family grow up. And to say more would be to delve into spoiler territory, which I don't want to do because... It could be fairly described that this film has no real plot for half an hour, but it is a really good film. I love it. It's... Yeah, I, I did think, where is this film going? But I, I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, am I right in thinking, Ben? The uh, the main character, is it Lee Isaac? Yeah, Lee, Lee Isaac Chang, the guy who directed it. It's based yeah. off his childhood. So it's it's almost like a biographical film for him. I, can't, I love that he used his own experience it just allowed him to really portray how he was feeling to the to the viewers you know it was such an amazing film i could really connect to the performances they had a lot of depth they were very emotional i just thought you know that connection was just brilliant 
yeah, and like this dies the thing about Minari, it's the performances that draw you in and there's not a whole huge amount going on, but it's a very lovable, charming film because of the performances. And the biggest example of that, um, is Lee Isaac Chan, who's he's they have a child actor playing the person who was him, played by Alan Kim. And this boy is the cutest, sweetest boy ever. He's a scene stealer. And he's part like when I think of the reasons why I love Benari, that character's so heavily drawn in them. And it's because of Lee Isaac's experiences. He's brought them into the film. He's grounded it in a sense of reality and that deeply personal feel. It comes through. And it's not just Mate, one person's story, with that though. that little boy, though, like, first and foremost, uh, I'm just going to say how it is. I usually hate child actors. Oh, child actors are terrible. Like, the majority of the time, I just find them extremely cringeworthy, distracting, just irritating as hell. Yes, really? I'm, I'm I hate hard actors. Some of what? them. Like, in oh, Home Alone. Uh, that's different, though, isn't it? I, mm. I, that's a, like, family film. And it's a comedic. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know what you mean now. And also, Home Alone with a different actor wouldn't have worked. So. I mean, I my favourite Home Alone film is Home Alone 4, that obviously 3 and 4 had a different actor to um, 1 and 2. I mean, that is an objectively wrong decision. We're not even going to go into that. I normally get a lot of slack for that. But anyway, (laughs) normally I find child actors uh, actors cringy. However, just fair play to Alan Kim. He Mm -hmm. absolutely smashed it. Yeah, and it's fair because... He was incredible. He's picked up loads of awards. He won the Critics' Choice for Best Young Actor. He's nominated in the Adult BAFTA category, which is going on right as we're speaking. And I'm secretly hoping he wins it because uh, he is just brilliant. And the scene with him and the grandma after he's wet the bed is honestly one of the funniest scenes I've seen in ages. I very, I've said this on the podcast before, I very rarely actually laugh out loud at films. I think, oh, that was funny. But this, I was actually laughing out loud. It was, it was a funny, funny scene. I'm laughing at the thought of it because, okay, to talk. You for... thought the the grandma was an absolute scene stealer. Oh right? yeah, the grandma, uh, Yai Jan Yun, um, the actress who's, uh, I think she's going to win the best act, uh, supporting actress at the Oscars this year. Uh, she's who I'm predicting on. If I was to bet money on it, I would bet money on her, um, because she's just won SAG and everyone loves the performance. But in this scene, um. She goes to the boy who's just wet his bed and the grandmother can barely speak any English and she just (laughs) goes up to the boy and prods him in, like, his male area and goes, penis broken, in very broken English. And it is (laughs) unbelievably funny. Yeah, it's one of them things that... It sounds funny. Like you can probably hear me and Bella just chuckling away and speaking about it. It sounds funny, but it is ten times funnier when you actually watch it. Yeah. It's just it's great. Ben, what did you think of the parents in in the story? So, um, I actually thought they're such an interesting dynamic and they the yeah. kind of people who bring you into and ground the film. Every other character is there to love, but those two are really because it's his parents and it's so let's t- start with the father. Shall we? Right. Let's get into bit of yeah, detail. Yeah. Played by Stephen Young of The Walking Dead fame, who's got his Oscar nomination for this. Um, he's quite stubborn. He's grounded. He's got his dream. And it really is the American dream. And it's a story. The film is a story about immigration and about people moving across the world for better for their family. And he has the American dream. He wants to start a farm. He wants to earn money. He wants to live sustainably. And he's stubborn and he pushes his father away. And I think that's such an interesting character because he is unlikable but likable in the same 
that the stubbornness makes him both on like a flip of a coin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, Ben, I thought I thought the parents were good, but at times I felt like there was a bit too much on them, and I, I kind of wanted more of the kid. Yeah, you. I think that's the thing. But it's. A, I don't think it would work if you had any less of the parents and any more of the kid and the gran. You always want the scenes with the kid and the grandma because they're such lovable, sweet characters. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's the parents who have the... They push the narrative. They have the, the parents, problems. I thought, I want more of the kid, I want more of the grandma. That's what I thought when I was watching the Yeah, parents. I think uh, Yuri Hun, who plays the mum, is brilliant. I think it's a quiet role, which is, I think, why she's the only person who's not be nominated for any awards but i actually think she's just as heartbreaking in the film because she's she's never getting her say it's i read a brilliant interview with her where she was talking about how the character has quite korean sensibilities um and that really is the case in the way that her husband doesn't listen to her her mother always judges her her child has a heart condition she doesn't feel like she's in control of her life or even her narrative Till she actually grows a lot in the until the end of the film when she starts to make decisions for her right. and knows that the family needs her. Mm. Yeah, I think they're the most unlike. They're the two characters who aren't lovable, but yeah, but they didn't ruin it either. Yeah, but they're not unlikable, and you they're the straight characters in a weird way, like in a comedy. And I would not call Minari a comedy, but it's a very funny film and it's kind of upbeat film. Yeah. Um, you always need your straight men and your straight men never get the same amount of applause as the like, it's like the Ted Mosey compared to the Barney Stinson the Ted Mosby never gets the same amount of love but that doesn't mean it's still not great roles and the actors are still not nailing it and the parents they actually really move forward with the story and they have the dramatic tension and you see how the whole family anchors on them and everything's moving yeah yeah absolutely absolutely uh, this right here is the Articu Film Podcast. It is Ben, Jacob, and kind of Charlotte. You know, is Charlotte still film. here? <laughs> yeah, of course I am. I just didn't want to interrupt you. So I was like, have, you are, you are have, contributing loads, by the way. I'm, I'm yeah. really grateful. Have we yet swung you? I think, have we I yet swung you? how old the child actor was, but by the time I could ask, we'd gone past this moment. So I was like, I don't know what to do now. He's eight. <laughs> he's eight, Charlotte. Oh, that's why. And he's a very... He is objectively a very cute kid, Aww. like not in a not in a noncy way, but oh um, yeah, he... it's really hard to say things like this, isn't it? Because you don't want it to be seen wrong. <laughs> but no, he is. He's so cute and sweet, and yeah, I just you know, it's hard because we have our cameras off. I'm like, well, I can't see when you're done talking to ask my questions. I'm like, I'd like to like. I'm learning about the movie as you're talking. I feel like a listener this week. Yeah, you. Yeah. I actually think Charlotte, you should watch the film because. I think you'd really like it. I do think it's, it's up your alley. It's not like that awful black and white one that Ben made. Yeah, it's not like Mank. And I think what we should do, Charlotte, is next uh, next week or later this week, kind of whenever we're recording, um, it's Sound of Metal, uh, which is a great film. Uh, but um, what I do think, I think we should hear Charlotte's opinion on Minari. Like how right now, Jacob, you weren't here yeah. last week with us, like when no, I got my nose. It was a little bleed. bit poorly, a little bit under the weather. Yeah, um, so I want to know what you think of The Trial of the Chicago 7. I'm just bringing this on you, but I think... Um... No, no, that's fine. You are bringing it on me, but I absolutely bloody loved it. I mean, I'm going to try, like, 
re, re, re-rack my brain, remember exactly what the film was, but I just remember really, really enjoying it. Like, obviously now I'm still thinking, shit, which one was that? Because obviously I'm off at the minute for the Easter holidays, so I have been watching a lot of random stuff here and there. But um, it really wasn't... Revision? Yeah, I have been doing revision, genuinely I have. Getting up, going for a run, doing some revision, watching some films and Netflix. But um, I've... I remember loving it. I, I think I know which one it was. Well, no, I do know which one it was. It wasn't like, it didn't distinctly stay with me. Like, wow, that was such an incredible film. I'm not going to be like in a rush to go watch it. But I did really like it. I can't work out which one I prefer. This, uh, The Trial of Sh- Chicago 7 or Minari. I, I don't know. Definitely between those two is the best we've watched of this like Oscar series we're doing. Um, yeah, I don't know, but man, uh, The Trial of Chicago 7, brilliant, brilliant film. Oh, the main guy in it, Ben, what's his name? Sasha Baron Cannon. Mate, oh my God, he was great. He is, he's just, he's my favourite actor. He is a comedic legend. He was great. Um, I don't think we actually mentioned this, but uh, in addition to talking all about uh, Minari here on this week's Article Film Podcast, later on we are going to be reviewing Hillbilly. Hillbilly LG. What's yep. that, Beth? Um, It is, by universal view, the worst film to be nominated for an Oscar this year. Um, it is its only got nomination oh, for Grand. Um, it's better than yeah, music. It's worse than music. It's better, better than, than music, music, but like music, it has had a pretty big critic pile on. And Glenn Close has been nominated for her eighth Oscar. Will it be her first win? Will she finally beat Olivia Coleman, who beat her last time, and they're both nominated against each other, which is exciting. We will, uh, we will find out more about that later on in the RTE Film Podcast. We are going to get back to Maneri in a bit, but also, right now, let's review One Night in Miami. Yeah, so this is a film I am pissed to didn't make the Oscar Best Picture lineup because it is a amazing movie. Um, it's set in nineteen sixty four, um, and it's uh, set on the night that Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, played by uh, Eli Gore, um, wins his first boxing world champion, and it's a fictional meet between Muhammad Ali. Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, the singer, played by Leslie Odom Jr., who's nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars, and Jim Brown. Um, Now, look, there is... I find that often when you're watching characters who are celebrities and you know them, like Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X particularly, you're always like, there is a bit of, oh, it's just an impression. Like, and you need to kind of get over the fact that you knew the public figure. Um... But, like, I actually think this film works because the chemistry between the actors, the back and forth, and it's really funny, it's charming, it's quick moving. But what it does do is it has some really cool discussions between the four actors because it's based off a play written by Kent Powell, who's adapted his own screenplay. It talks about what being about race, but from a different angle because it's about from four powerful, influential black figures at the beginning of the civil rights movement. You have these really interesting, pretty academic discussions going on. When I say academic, not like boring, but like detailed about what's the best way to move forward with the civil rights movement. Is it um, Muhammad Ali getting them all to love him? Is it Malcolm X uh, proclaiming white men are the devil? Or is it Sam Cooke and 
and Jim Brown, who are just like, no, we want to be financially independent. That's the best way for black people to be. I'm getting free. a lot of like questions asked from uh, One Night in Miami. Is that the, that the kind of vibe it is? Does it ask a lot of questions as a film? Yeah, it asks a lot of questions. And lots of questions are still kind of... I always find when we're talking about these films, there's, there's always a worrying element that they're relevant. Um, and with these films, you're always like the best thing for them is that they're not relevant in a few years and yes Arsenal have just scored but that's another matter um <laughs> what sorry I just saw on my phone the football there's an Arsenal football match going on and I just saw ben, the you're doing a podcast and watching football no you're I'm not asking at its finest well you shouldn't be on your phone either. I, I'm not it's I've got my phone like by my laptop and you know when you get a notification I get the oh, football no, score notifications because I'm a football fan. And... I love that. I love that. And I assume you're an Arsenal fan as well, man. I am. I am. So, <laughs> yeah, so sorry. I love how you just announced that on the podcast. Yes, Arsenal score. Sorry, it's it's like an impulse reaction. Like, if... Because we, we normally record these at 10. We're doing it a bit earlier tonight. So, um, there is genuinely a football match happening right now. If I don't it was, think this has ever happened before. Yeah, but if it was the other way around, I'd just blurt out the F word randomly. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Charlotte, are you uh, happy Arsenal have just scored? Uh, well, I'm a Queen Parks Ranger fan. Um, just take that as you will. Um, but, I mean... Who are they playing? Sheffield United. So Arsenal really should win this game, but Arsenal... Well, I'm happy Arsenal have won because, I mean, Arsenal over Sheffield United, I will be backing Arsenal. So good on them, but um, can't say... I love how Charlotte's really trying in this answer as well. I asked as a bit of a G8, but she's really going for it. Good on them beating Sheffield. No, I cried when England didn't um, win the Premier League. But that's England, mate. No, England are in the Premier League. Oh my god, I can't believe you just said that. Yeah, well, you know, it's a big match thing. Anyway. I'm just getting everything wrong this week. I am. It's been a very long day. I mean, I'm honestly... I just still can't get over the You got the thing wrong, mate. Yeah, and you know what? Let's not talk about it because it was such a bad movie. I'm fuming. Anyway, and back to Minari, and I'm going to take a sip of my water, which as the camera's off, you guys won't know if it's water or if it's vodka. I mean, Ben, I Ben, even if the camera was on, vodka is the same colour as water. Good we point. still wouldn't know. And at this point in university, vodka should be like water. Yes. The thing is, Charlotte, I've done, I've done a podcast with Ben before. I, I think I've told you about it. He said he started off the podcast with, "Oh yeah, I had a few shots, but I'm absolutely fine." And he just got progressively drunk as we went on, and by the end of it, he was slurring his words to an extreme. It was freshers. Yeah, no, I don't think it was Ben. I think now you claim it was freshers, but I think in reality it wasn't. It was definitely week one or week two. I'm gonna go week three or week four, but okay. Um, should we get back to Minnery? Um, where, where were we? Are we fans of the story, Ben? Did we like the story of Minari? Yeah, so as we've kind of talked about, there's not a huge amount of kind of plot in Minari, yeah. particularly for the first hour, that it does move yeah, in direction. Yeah, the first hour you are like, where is but it's, but it's because the first hour builds, like yeah. it builds for the payoffs later. Um, and in a weird way, like at an hour, 
like I kind of wrote this in the notes but failed to say it, when they tease the grandma coming in for so long, for like for half an hour, 40 minutes of the film. I mean, I do think it's worth it. Yeah, no, it's so worth it. In the back of my head, I was like, oh, it's going to be like, this is like when the film goes full on horror and the nan murders them all. Like it had those. I mean, I don't know why you had that in the back of your. Head, I don't know. I think there is a slightly horror vibe in the fact that it builds up, and it's seemingly you're like, where's it going to go? Charlotte watched it because in this situation, she can either be on my side or your side and settle this dispute. I think this film is anything but horror. Really. Oh, it's anything but horror. Yeah, I'm yeah. agreeing. But at like forty minutes, I thought I thought there's a For like chance. a split second. Did you have your critic head on then? There, I was like, no. I was just like. No, I didn't. I was like, I know it's not going to happen, but there is a chance they're te- teasing this because she's a serial killer and no, this fun really goes really campy. <laughs> I kind of wish it did, though, because that would have been an amazing that film. Been a better film. <laughs> and I've liked the film already, but May, that would have been so good. You should um, copyright the idea and do that for the sequel. No. Yeah, no, Lee Isaac Chung, like, you're a great director, you did a great film but you should have started killing people at the hour mark. <laughs> I completely have made the film an A team rather than probably a PG. Um, what were your views on the score then? Yeah, no, so I think it's a great score. Um, it is. It sounds beautiful. Because when you watch a film, and we don't talk about it enough, partly because I don't know enough about this stuff, but when you watch a film, so much of the experience is from what you hear. It's the film's audiovisual language for a reason. Oh my gosh, I... Oh, this is so true. I literally cannot agree anymore. A soundtrack makes a movie. Yeah, and Hi, Charlotte. Charlotte's here, by the way. She just, you know, had to come. Yeah, up well, I agree with this statement a lot, so I'm going to force my view, okay? <laughs> because it is actually. Um, I've just realised I'm not actually on the Google Doc, but I'm just going to. Yeah, you've not been on the notes this whole time. Oh, here she is. No, here I am. Um, you don't know where no, we are, Charlotte. No, I, no. I'll, I'll, I don't roughly. I'll, I'll highlight I... where we are. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm, I there we are. That's thing. where we are. Okay, thank you. But I agree that a soundtrack always makes a movie so much better. Yeah, well, this is kind of the score in Minari, I think. It's really beautiful. It's subtle. It doesn't hit you around the head. But because the film's a slower film, it works. Um, And for the life of me, I couldn't tell you what instruments they use. But the film has lots of these scenes because it's set in the because it's set in the rural countryside. There are lots of scenes where they just use the cinematography, and they're shooting the landscape, and it's the boy walking through the fields with the nan, and that's when the score is really beautiful and subtle. But it just it adds these layers to the film, and that's why it's my favourite in the best picture category so far. I haven't seen Promising Young Woman and Nomadland or The Father. So, like, there are still some it could be better than, but I could I prefer mean, more. But... I personally, yeah, it's definitely got a chance. This and um, Trial of uh, Chicago 7, definitely for me. But it still wasn't as standy as I would love from an Oscar film to be honest with you but no man it absolutely the uh the score for this film no i think yeah i think it could i think it's standy for an oscar film i think it's more standy than some films that have won i mean sorry i'm just knocking my mic accidentally i don't know if you heard that i just the thing is for me was that a slow first 45 minutes yeah but i'm kind of nomadland which is the film that's going to win and ironically it's coming out four days after the oscars in the uk from what I've heard, that's a slow film and an artistic film. 
about a woman who's travelling around in a caravan and shits in a bucket. So I feel like Minari has a bit more plot going to it than Nomadland. I mean, Ben has already just stated what he thinks is going to be the outcome, so I don't even know if there's much point in me asking this question. But can Minari win Best Picture? Well, I think it can because, like, people love it. Lots of people really like it. We really like it. Um, And I think it has that kind of momentum with Trial of the Chicago 7 of the runner-up. And often, at this stage in the Oscar race, you kind of want to be the runner-up. You want to be in second because people are like, I don't want to award the film that's won everywhere. It's why Moonlight won over La La Land and it's why Green Book won over Roma. It's like, and Parasite winning over 1917. Often being second you end up coming out on top anyway because by the time the Oscars have it's seen like it... It's like an X-Factor situation. All the people that become big don't win. Yeah, and yeah, and Minari has lots of love and it's got the writing direct nominations, it's got the directing nominations, it's got the acting nominations. So everyone's liking it and enjoying it. And I think it would be one of the better films to win Best Picture because it is a really beautifully made film and I would, yeah, I, I would like it. I'm dead the, uh, is the kid up for um, an award? No, I'm fuming he's not nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I think he's a victim of the both Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya being supporting actors in Judas and the Black Messiah. I think right. he probably was next on the list, which is a shame because I'd give him the Oscar, but, but the Gran will get Ooh, one. Charlotte has uh, made a comment here. Can <laughs> Minari win Best Picture? Charlotte, you were put. Sounds like it could. <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched it myself, obviously. Watched music instead. We don't talk about it. But I mean, it sounds like it could. But I'm just, you know what? I, I'm I'm looking currently at the last year's nominees for um, Oscar Best Picture, yeah. and I have to say this year is such a poor year compared to last year. No, no, no. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna let that slander happen because genuinely. No, it is. The movies that came out last year, we had 1917, which we all know on this podcast, I'm obsessed with. I, I, Even the then I have to Charlotte. No. Parasite, we had Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman. We had so many incredible uh, like movies. Up yeah, but just because last year. year's films were bigger, and they almost certainly were bigger, doesn't mean Do they were... Do you think Corona had a, a, a impact in it? Yeah, well, Corona's impacted every element in our life. It's impacted... The fact that the Oscars were delayed three months has impacted the films that got nominated like it would naturally. Um, We've had the smaller films getting in. Films like... Also, I think films like Minari and Nomadland probably wouldn't get in in a normal year. And people are less interested in the Oscars this year because they can't go to the cinema and they haven't been able to, so all the act of watching a movie's become less special, being really brutally, which means you connect less with the films if you watch them in your bed than if you watch them in the cinema. That's why I found this year's Oscars quite challenging. But um, I do, I think it's slander to say these eight films aren't good films. Look, you may not well, like Mank. No, I don't think they're bad films at all. But when I think of movies that are nominated last year, ones that really... I mean, don't get me wrong. I will argue that uh, the the Messiah one, J- Judas and the Black Messiah, and um, the Trial not of me. Chicago. It also helps that, like, you know, we've seen Mank, which was a weak one, yeah. But yeah. the of the five foremost buzzed about films, 
Sound of Metal is being released on Monday, so we're covering it next time. Promising Young Woman is being released next Friday, so we're covering that. Promising Young Woman is the most buzzed about film in the race by people. It's the one people love. So then you have Nomadland and The Father, which are yet to come out. And not many people have seen The Father at this point. But from everything I've heard, and it's got Anthony Hopkins playing an actor with dementia, everyone who's seen that film has been floored by it. So I think kind of the reason we're going, oh, it's not as good as last year's, is because we actually haven't seen all the films. Like, that's very true. There's a set, like, the general public has not seen all of these films, which means they haven't had the opportunity to become... 1917 was a moment, and Little Women kind of came a bit in its shadow, but still had things. Lots of people watched The Irishman, because it's a Scorsese film. The Joker made a billion dollars, even if it's not the most amazing film, and actually is probably worse than all films on this list, bar Mank. So I think when people are like... When people are like, 2020's been a bad year for films. No, it's not. They, they're all excellent films. The problem is, when we're watching these films, we're often watching them in our beds, so or we're not... If you go to the cinema to watch a film, I always think it's more special. Because, yeah, but we... Actually, actually the true. barriers of watching films have meant that we all care less about them. Yeah. No, that's very true. I feel like if I saw the trial of Chicago 7 in a cinema, I'd love it even more. Yeah, and I feel like even Mank would be watchable in a cinema. Oh, I, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. No, Minari would be... be great in a cinema, I think. Judas and the Black Messiah, I think, would look amazing in the cinema. Yeah, I, think I agree with that one as well. And I, I, I actually personally can't wait to see Promising Young Woman on Friday. Oh, I'm excited to see that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that, Carrie Mulligan. That should be good. That should be good. Uh, in terms of what I think, for me, out of the uh, the films we've watched so far, as to whether they could win Best Picture or not, it's between Minari and The Trial of Chicago 7. Um, yeah, well, those I mean, two like are I said, solid. I love The Trial of Chicago 7, and I lo- liked Minari as well. Yeah, and... It wasn't, I... like, amazing, one of the best films I've ever watched, but it was good. It was a good watch. You could, also, you could be what... up for it, in my opinion. Yeah, what helps Minari in The Trial of Chicago 7 and that's why they are second and third not promising young woman, is the fact that lots of people like the films, and actually lots of people love the films. And the Oscar process, it's they pretty much made up maths for this, but you need 50% plus 1% of votes to win Best Picture. So if a film gets 45% of first place votes, yeah, yeah. They, then have, they, then it's, they then take into account the second place vote of the people who voted the eighth placed film, best so okay this is complicated maths but so you have eight films yeah so the first round they're all scored yeah yeah on number one vote if no films get 50% plus one vote then the bottom film yeah on number one vote is eliminated and they take the number twos from that film and it goes on and on in that circle so often when films like green book win yeah they don't win because they got lots of first place votes. They won because it was quite a split race and they got lots of second place votes. It's why the Oscars often end up with the bland films winning Best Picture. And I think that's why a film like Minari or The Trial of Chicago 7 could win because there'll be lots of second and third place votes, which once you get further and further down, the no film's got 50% plus one. I love how you came out with all these facts and figures, completely lost me and probably Charlotte as well, and all you could have said is, judging by the numbers, I think this one was going to win. 
No, I don't think this is going to win, but I think there's a shot to win. This just lost me. There's a clear path. There is a path for it to win on having more second-place votes and no film having a peer majority of firsts. Right. Look, the Oscars, I do believe, have invented math for their system. Like, they've invented whole new levels of maths for this, and it's really difficult to explain via your voice when you've not got it written down. Yeah, well, and it's like really difficult you know, to explain to people like Charlotte and I that just get lost, especially when you bring in a whole load of uh, statistics. To yeah, it, and to between the, the between the four, three of us, yeah, our GCSE yeah. maths grade's probably about 15 added up. Um, no, I got a six. I got oh. a six. Okay. 16! Yeah, so it's it's sixteen yeah, added up, <laughs> which is for three people is it's a good total, but none of us are like maths geniuses. So, and the Oscars maths is complicated. Yeah. yeah anyway, well, absolutely, absolutely. Before right, we still, the Arctic film listeners are probably dying to hear the hillbilly eggy yeah. review. So. Yes, so this is the biography of J.D. Vance, the very controversial American po- politician, political figure, who um, is it's about his, how he grew from like being a poor Appalachian family, I can't pronounce it, and how his mum was a drug addict, and his gra- and he was raised by his Mima, played by Glenn Close, who, quote, who quotes Terminator. Um, and uh, it's how one white guy, yeah, manages to break the system of poverty and get to Harvard Law. And it's kind of really oblivious to the fact that if one person can do it, it's like anyone can do it, which is not really true, because if one person can do it, a million won't, and that's the system's fault. Um, And it's directed by liberal elite Ron Howard, who's Hollywood elite and almost feels like he's doing this film to make himself feel better about his life and about how he doesn't help enough people and probably votes Republican because he's been born into Hollywood. Um, Look, this film is not as bad as most critics have said. Um, It's not a good film. It's watchable. I don't mind it. Um, But Ron... definitely shouldn't be nominated, yeah? uh, Yeah, I'm a bit annoyed Glenn Close has been nominated. I hope she doesn't win. Not because she's bad in the film, but... She's a legendary actress, and I think at this point she would have more to her name, yeah, yeah. if she had eight nominations and never won, instead of winning once for this film. <laughs> if absolutely, you, absolutely. If you get what I mean, I mean like, you never yeah. want to win for... It's not winning for a mediocre, okay film, like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, because he still did good work there, but this is winning for bad work. Which, if you've lost seven times already, you don't want. So I'm praying Glenn Close loses to Yai Jung Yoon on Oscars night. I mean, there is so much more we could talk about with this as anything nominated for the Oscars. Um, let's wrap up the podcast then. Uh, I assume you don't want me to pay £4.50 for like a end of the show thing from that same guy? Uh, no, it's <laughs> that's good, thank you. I think we can't we can't subject yeah, the listeners. Oh, I'm not gonna lie, I'd I'd get a refund. I mean, I don't know if that's even an option. It probably isn't. Well, give him a really shitty review then. Yeah, but leave us if you're listening to this podcast. If you have made it this far, congratulations. If you have made it this far, please give us a lovely review. Mm. Well, I mentioned Charlotte in it. Yeah, mention Charlotte in it. 
Uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. We will uh, see you next week. Goodbye. Can I get my £4.50? Bye.